Pastor John Cannon and the Congregation of Victory Church welcome you to this message from the Word of God. It is our heartfelt desire to see you grow closer to the Lord and to help you become all that He has created you to be. Our prayer is that through this ministry you would come to know Him in a greater way and that these teachings from Scripture would better equip you to fulfill His plan in your life. Now, let's join Pastor John as we study the Word together. If you have your Bibles, open them up, please, to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. We're going to continue in our study. Actually, this is the very last sermon in this sermon series. Nehemiah chapter 8. Are you there in your Bibles? Turn your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 8. We've been in this sermon series for about seven weeks or so now. And uh, we've been studying from, actually from Nehemiah chapter 1 now through chapter 8. Uh, today's message is obviously need strength, get joy, and that's uh, that's kind of the theme of chapter eight. The chapter eight deals with revival, it deals with joy, it deals with repentance, it deals with restoring the people of Israel. Now, if you remember, Nehemiah was just a layperson, right? He was the king's cupbearer, and he really felt impressed with the Lord to go back to Jerusalem. He lived several thousand miles, more than a thousand miles away from Jerusalem. It took him about two months' journey to get there. Uh, and all the uh, supplies and everything that he had to go back. And I want to unpack that whole story again. But he now is back in Jerusalem. He had never been there. He was a Jew. He was born in exile over a thousand miles away from his homeland. But he had a burden and a passion for God's people for God's work. And the title of this entire series is God's Work, His Way for His Glory. Amen? That even should be our theme, our rally cry for ourselves. God's work, His work, His way for His glory in whatever it is that we do. So Nehemiah now is back in Jerusalem. Okay? At this point in Nehemiah chapter 8, the walls have been rebuilt. He had a twofold mission to go back and rebuild the walls. And also to rebuild the morale of the people. Now you've got to remember the people had been carried away into captivity. They had spent over 70 years in bondage. 70 years in bondage they were carried away into captivity simply because they were disobedient to the Lord. And this was part of God's judgment on his own people for them being disobedient. And so now Nehemiah is in the process of bringing all the people back. So his mission is not accomplished because the morale of the people is still very low. Matter of fact, all of the people aren't back yet. And he's in this task and this mission of getting all the people back to Jerusalem. The walls are built, but that's just brick and mortar. And there's a far greater task at hand, and that's to rebuild the morale of the people. So that's where we find ourselves in Nehemiah chapter number 8. Okay, are you there? All right, Nehemiah chapter 8. I want to read a little bit for you here in Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 1 and following. I'm going to read probably down through verse number 11. So if you want to follow along with me in your Bibles, please do so. The scripture says, All the people gathered together at the square in front of the water gate. And they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses. Everybody say that, the book of the law. Say that, the book of the law. I want you to understand what that is. What was that? Did they have the full canon of Scripture, the Bible, that we have today? No, they did not at that time. 
But they did have the book of the law. And what was the book of the law? The book of the law are the first five books of the Old Testament. It's the Pentateuch. Okay? So they had Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. All right? Those are the, the books of the law that they had at that time. That's what they wanted to bring before Ezra to bring before the people and start reading the book of the law. Okay? So that's where the, we are in Scripture. And it says, I'm getting a little bit of ringing on a monitor for our sound guys can help us out with that. Are you guys hearing ringing out there? Or is that just me? No ringing out there? Okay. So uh, maybe our sound guys can help us out on that. So, the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had given Israel. Verse 2. On the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly of men and women and all who could listen with understanding. And while he was facing the square in front of the water gate, he read out of it from daylight until noon. How long did he read it? From daylight until noon. Approximately six hours he was standing before the people reading from the book of the law from daylight until noon. So don't complain if I go longer than 30 minutes today. Amen? Right? They were about six hours right there with him just reading the book of the law. Okay? From daylight until noon. Before the men and the women and those who could understand. And all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. Now that's your job. Okay? My job is to stand here from daylight till noon and read the Word, right? Your job is to listen attentively, all right? Now, I'm not going to do it for six hours. Give me 30 minutes. So if I can do it for 30 minutes, you listen for 30 minutes. Agreement? Deal? Okay. So all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood, stood on a high wooden platform. You know what this was? It was the pulpit in that day that they had built in preparation for worship, because they wanted to honor and reverence the reading of the Word of God. So Ezra the scribe, he stood on a high wooden platform made for this purpose. And then there's a whole list of names of men and men that stood with him. And then in verse number 5, Ezra opened the book in full view of all the people, since he was elevated above everyone. And as he opened it, all the people stood up. Now understand that. He opens the book. Before the people, from this elevated platform, from this pulpit that had been made for reading and declaring the Word of God, and when he opened the book and started reading it, all the people then stood up. Verse 6, Ezra praised the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen, Amen. So whenever I pull my ear, that's your sign to say, Amen. I want you to know that's biblical. Amen. So as, as, as Ezra was reading from the pulpit, that was elevated to the people. The people stood up, and as he would read the Scriptures, the people would say, Amen, Amen. And then they bowed down, and they worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. And then in verse 7, or a list of other men that stood with uh, Ezra. These are the Levites. And these men explained the law to the people as they stood in their places. Verse 8. And they read out of the book of the law of God and, they, and translated and given the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. And Nehemiah the governor and Ezra the priest and the scribe and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. 
For all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. And then he said to them, Go and eat what is rich and drink what is sweet and send portions to those who have nothing prepared, since today is holy to our Lord. And do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength or your stronghold. And the Levites quietened all the people, saying, Be still, since today is holy, do not grieve. And then all the people began to eat and to drink and to send portions and have a great celebration because they had understood the words that were explained to them. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessings on the reading of your word today. And Lord, we do stand here in total dependence upon you. And we're so dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God to to open our hearts and our minds to the Scripture today. And Lord, we just pray that you speak to all of our hearts and may this message out of Nehemiah chapter 8 be applicable to every single one of us. And our prayer is that the Spirit of God would take the Word of God and make us more like the Son of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me share something with you. It had been a very, very long time since the people of Israel had experienced any type of joy. You've got to remember, they were carried away into captivity. They were in bondage in Babylon, which, by the way, is the modern-day Iraq. That's where they were held captive. God's people were carried away by a pagan king, a pagan culture, and held in bondage and captivity. So, obviously, they had lost a tremendous amount of their joy. So Nehemiah is in the mission of bringing all the people back into the city of Jerusalem. He had secured the city with the rebuilding of the wall, which was only part of the mission. Now his major focus was to rebuild the morale and the spiritual emphasis of the people. So he gets Ezra the priests, to come before all the people. And they build a platform, and they build a pulpit. And Ezra stands there, and he opens up the Pentateuch, and he starts reading out of the law of Moses to all the people. He starts reading the law. The people stand up in reverence to the Word of God, lifting their hands in the air, saying, Amen, Amen. But as he was reading, conviction fell among the people, and the people fell on their face before God, weeping, and crying before the Lord. When Ezra saw this, he was shocked. Nehemiah saw it, and he was bewildered. The people were grieving over their sin. They had been away for 70 years, paying the penalty of God's judgment on them because they had sinned against the Lord. And now when they come before the pulpit and they come before the authority of the Word of God from the law of Moses, conviction sets in upon them and they fall on their face before God weeping and crying because of their sins. They're mourning and grieving over their sin. Nehemiah wants this to be a joyful day. Ezra wants this to be a joyful day. And so he tells the people, please get up. God has forgiven you, in essence. Get up. Let this be a day of celebration. I want you to rejoice this day around the Scripture and the Word of God. I don't know about you, but I love joy. Amen? I love joy. And joy is something, listen, joy is different than being happy. Happiness is based on your circumstances. Joy is based on your position. 
Amen? Happiness is based on your surroundings. Joy is based on who you are. Are you with me, church? Happiness is based on things that are taking place around you. But joy is based on your relationship with a holy God. You see, you can have joy in your heart in the midst of horrible circumstances. You can have joy in your heart and joy in your life that comes from deep from within. Right in the middle of turmoil and trials today, this morning, early this morning, we were over at Children's Hospital. And there we were visiting with Anita and Landon, the the baby boy, and the whole team of doctors were there. And as we walked down the hallway and we saw this whole massive team of doctors and computers and electronics and nurses and the whole staff there, I immediately thought the worst of, of Landon. But yet, when the doctors clear and we go in, as soon as we walked in, Anita was just bubbling with joy and excitement because she knew even in the midst of going through this tremendous trial with her young son that there was a church who loved her, that there was a pastor who loved her, that there were people who were praying for her, and that there's a God in heaven that's been hearing and answering her prayer. What I saw this morning was joy in the midst of a set of horrible circumstances dealing with her grandson. Amen? Now, guys, listen. A lot of times we think life is just all about being happy. I hadn't even got to my message yet, and I don't know how far I'll get to it. Brother John preached in the early service. Did we get it recorded? We didn't get it recorded in the early, early service? Okay. So, anyhow, I was going to say, listen to the podcast if I don't get there. But I'll, I'll send you my notes. But a lot of times we think, we think, boy, for me to be happy, everything's got to be perfect around me. That's so far from the truth. As a matter of fact, church, that's very selfish. To think that your world has to be perfect all around you for you to experience the joy of the Lord. I have discovered that really life in general is a life of valleys. It's also a life of mountaintops. There's some wonderful spiritual mountaintops, exciting experiences that we can have. But listen, honey, you don't grow on the mountain. You grow in the valley. And if God wants to teach you something, He's going to walk with you through the valleys of life. Amen? And you're going to face some hardships and you're going to face some trials. But what we need to do, we need to do like the people of Israel when the Word of God is proclaimed. We need to lift our hands in holy reverence to the Word of God. They even stood in reverence to the Word of God. And then they fell on their face in full submission to the Word of God. Now joy is starting to take place in their life in the midst of some sometimes horrible circumstances. Are you with me, church? And I'm just speaking from the heart. None of this is in my notes, is it, Brother John? (laughs) But guys, listen. These people were starting to experience joy now in their life. They had been in captivity for 70 years under the judgment of God for their disobedience. And now in this act of revival that's taking place, it's taking place because they are submitting to the authority of the Word of God. Amen? Joy. Guys, we can have it. Don't think that the only way you can have joy is if everything's good in your life because I promise you, everything's not always going to be good in your life. There's going to be some hard places to get through. But we serve a God in heaven who said, I'm going to promise you this, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. 
I will supply and meet all of your needs according to my riches and glory. Now listen, church, he did not say, I will supply and meet all of your needs out of my riches and glory. He said, I will supply and meet all of your needs according to my riches and glory. There's a difference. Amen? Let me illustrate it this way. Let's just say you have a financial need. All right? And let's say you run across a multi-billionaire in this world today and he befriends you and you befriend him and you guys become friends and he realizes that you have a need, a financial need of, let's just say, $1,000. And you have a fine, it's just by sake of illustration. And you have a need, let's just say you need $1,000 for your house payment this month. And this multi-billionaire says, hey, I can help you with that need. And he cuts you a check for $1,000. Now, you're grateful because you can make the house payment. You can stay there another month and a half or so, right? You're grateful. Let me ask you a question. Did he meet your needs out of his wealth or according to his wealth? Talk to me. He met your needs out of his wealth, out of his riches. There's you a pretty good illustration of how I live life. I trust God to take care of my needs according to His riches in glory and not just out of His riches in glory. Amen? That's why sometimes I pray and ask for big things. That's why sometimes I step out on faith and I get way out there to where if God doesn't move, it's going to be a total failure because we've got a promise, church. I'm following Him, I'm loving Him, and He's going to supply and meet my needs. Not all of my wants, there's a difference, but he's going to meet my needs according to his riches and glory. So I don't care what there is in life. My relationship with the Lord does something for me. Man, there's joy in my heart in the midst of trials. There's joy in my heart in the midst of persecution. There's joy in my heart in the midst of hardships, right? And we can have that. But the only way we're going to have that is when we do what the people of Israel did and we submit ourselves to the authority of the Word of God. And that's what we find them doing. I love joy. I love unpacking what joy means. Joy is the source of our strength. Amen? Whenever we find ourselves weak, probably because joy is missing. David, King David, is a perfect example of an individual that had lost his joy. I mean, he had all the women he could point a stick at, right? He had all the wealth that he needed. He had the castles. He had the mansions. He had the women. He had everything that the world tells us that we need to have joy. Most of the time, people start following after that false god searching for it. But in the midst of all of that, he realized that he had lost the joy of the Lord. And why did he lose it? He lost it because there was sin in his life. And Psalm 51 is really nothing more than David's prayer of repentance. He is repenting before the Lord and he's saying, God, forgive me for my activities. I have sinned against you. I have lost the joy of the Lord. Please restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Now, guys, I want to try to say this with a smile on my face. Whenever we discover that we have lost our joy, we don't need to point fingers at everybody else because it's not everybody else's fault. Amen? If I've lost my joy, it's my fault. 
If I've lost my joy, it's because I'm not where I need to be spiritually. If I've lost my joy, most of the time it's because there's sin in my life that I need to repent of and ask God to forgive me. And I am amazed whenever there's an old-fashioned word called repentance. And church, we don't want to hear that word anymore because it's never me. It's never my fault. We live in an entitlement society today. It's always everybody else's fault. The church didn't do that. The preacher didn't do that. You wouldn't believe how they looked. Listen. Oh, woo! are you with me today? Listen. If I've lost my joy, it's because of me and my sin. Don't point a finger and blame it on everybody else. Hello? Are you with me, church? At some point, I must get back into my sermon notes because I am nowhere close to my sermon notes right now. Joy. I want you to have joy. But I want you to know you're the one responsible for it. Amen? You have just as much joy as you want to have. We all got problems. Don't tell me about your problems. We all got problems. Hello? That doesn't mean I don't care. Please don't take that wrong. I'll listen. Then I'll pray. And I'll say, well, welcome to the word called life, right? We all got problems. But there's a difference. The difference is we have somebody to take our problems to. We have someone who cares about us. We have someone who loves us, right? And we can take it to the Lord. We don't, we don't have to live through this thing by ourselves. He said, I promise you, I would never leave you. What a great promise. I don't know about you. That verse in and of itself brings me joy. Whatever I'm going through, I know I'm not going through it by myself. I've got a promise that the Lord said, I would never leave you. I would never forsake you. I will be with you always, even until the end of the age. What great comfort that brings. And it should bring some joy in our life. You know what we need to get joy back? We need revival. Amen? And that's what we find in the book of Nehemiah chapter 8. We find revival taking place. Now let me give you real quickly, just a real quick exposition of Nehemiah chapter 8, verses 1 down through verse number 11. And then I want to close real quickly, and I realize it's 1130. I promise you something. If you don't look at your watch, I won't look at mine, okay? You don't want to make that promise, do you? (laughs) Give me about five, ten minutes, and I'll try to wrap this thing up. But let me real quickly share with you just a quick exposition here of Nehemiah chapter 8. And this is how they started regaining the morale of the people and building the people. The most important part of the mission is not yet complete. I just want you to understand that. The brick and mortar, the walls are finished. The gates have been put in. The doors have been put in. The security is there. The structure and the infrastructure is in place. But there's one critical part missing. It's the people and the spiritual condition of the people. So what they had to do was put something in place to help them regain their spiritual position. And I want to show you what the Word of God does. Number one, the Word of God helps you to reclaim your joy. Okay, maybe I need to turn this down a little bit. The Word of God helps you to reclaim your joy. Nehemiah's group, like our society, had a real need to reclaim their joy. The structure had been built. The infrastructure was in place. But they still were without joy. And guys, that reminds me of us today. We have everything in place. And by the way, let me say one thing before I say that. Whenever you have joy in your life, 
It's because you are living in total dependence upon God. And I have found in my own personal life, whenever my joy starts to wane and starts to decrease, and I feel like I'm, I'm, I have a sense of losing some of the joy of my salvation, here's what I've discovered in my life. Now, I'm not saying this is true for you. I'm just trying to be transparent and tell you what happens to me. But it probably happens to you as well. What I have discovered that takes place in my life when I start to lose my joy is that I've gotten to the place where I'm doing things myself and depending upon myself and not depending upon God. Right? What needed to take place here was that the people needed to get back to a place where they lived in total dependence upon the Lord. Not in the structure that had been built, not depending upon the walls, but depending upon God. You see, we live in the 21st century. The infrastructure is in place. The walls have been rebuilt, so to speak, if you will, to make a, an application here. We have wonderful structures and infrastructures called the churches. We have the band. We have all the equipment. We have talented musicians. We have wonderful teachers and, and administrators in the church. And if we're not real careful, we can get to the place in our own lives and even in our own church where we can do church without God. Are you following me? If we're not careful, we can get to the place where we don't need God. And a matter of fact, even in our culture today, in our society today, we can get to the place where we're far more dependent on our 401ks. We're far more dependent on our careers and our jobs. We're far more dependent on our government. And if we lose our government or if we lose our jobs or if we lose our 401ks, we look around and we think the sky is falling, that everything is a mess. Listen, that job is not the source of your provision. The government is not the source of your provision. The 401k is not the source of your provision. The source of my provision, the source of your provision is God Almighty Himself. And what we need to start doing, church, is falling on our face before a holy God, lifting our hands up, saying amen to the Word of God, and trusting God to take care of every need that we have in our life, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, whether it's financial, but we want to do it ourselves. And friends, when you do it yourself and don't depend on God, that's sin. We need to live a life in total dependence upon God. So if we want to reclaim our joy, we've got to reposition ourselves. And maybe it starts with just falling on our face and repenting. Maybe it just starts with saying, God, forgive me. I've sinned. I've taken this thing into my own hands. I'm trying to do things my way. I've left you out of it. Or, God, forgive me because I've used you like a spare tire. It's in the trunk, and I'll turn around and holler at you if I need you. But right now, don't mess with me. I'm doing things my way. I'm going my way. Everything is good. Boom, you hit a roadblock. Now we go out there. We have a blowout. Now we got to get the spare tire out of the trunk. Let me tell you something, church. You use God like a spare tire. And he's going to see to it that you have a ton of blowouts. Hello? He's going to put you in the, in the situation, in the position where he will put you in the place where you recognize that you need God more than you need anything else in this world. Amen? So to reclaim our joy, to reclaim our joy, we've got to fall on our face before God 
By the way, the second point, not only reading the Word of God helps you reclaim your joy, but point number two is this one, reverence. Reverence. Do we have reverence to the Word of God? Do we have reverence to the house of God? Do we have reverence to the things of God? The folks, when they built the pulpit and they built the platform and Ezra approached the platform and he opened up the law of Moses, the Pentateuch, and he started reading to the people from daylight till noon. For about six hours he was reading. The people stood up in reverence to the Word of God. Can I say something here? And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just trying to be so truthful. Sometimes we have more reverence for men and women of position in our culture today than we do the Word or the Church of God. Now let me illustrate it this way. And I love our military men and women, but it makes for a good illustration. You're sitting at a dinner table, and all of a sudden an individual of higher rank and position comes up to you. Let's just say he's a one-star general. Are you going to sit there and say, hey, general, how you doing? Are you going to do that? No. You're going to stand up to attention, and I've never been in the Air Force or military, so I don't really know, but I'm thinking you're going to snap something off, right? Hello? Are you with me? Am I close? Why? You respect that guy. You respect his position, right? Why don't we do that to God? Why don't we do that to the Word of God? Why don't we do that with the house of God? And please, don't misunderstand me. I'm not asking you to do that to me at all. I'm talking about the authority of God. There was a reverence to the people. Do you respect the things of God? Are you respecting the authority of the Word of God? And by that, and if we say yes, we do, then you know what's going to happen? We're going to see to it that we are in submission to the Word of God. And if that's what it says, I'm going to submit to it. And if that's what it asks me to do, I'm going to submit to it. And that's what God wants me to do, I'm going to submit to it. I'm going to be in reverence to the Word of God. And there's two more points I could hit real quickly. And as we talk about reclaiming joy, reclaiming reverence, reclaiming, thirdly, understanding. And then the fourth one is reclaiming repentance. So let's hit understanding here real quickly. Positioned out through all the people, as Ezra was reading the Word of God, There were people out there that had, one, never heard the Word of God, that spoke a different language than what the Word of God was written in. So among all the people and all those lists of names that I skipped over in Nehemiah chapter 8, and I'll tell you why I skipped over them, because I can't pronounce them. (laughs) Okay? Full transparency right here, okay? I try to read them by myself. Lord, there's no way I can read these names in front of all these people. So those people were positioned among the people. And as Ezra was proclaiming the Word of God, they were out there helping the people understand what the Word of God was saying. And so the people were listening attentively to the teaching and the, so they could get understanding of the Word of God. You see, if we're going to have joy in our life, then we've got to get back to the place where we want to know more of the Word of God. Not just hear it, but we want to understand it. Not just hear it proclaimed, but, but we want to sit under the teaching of the Word of God. And by the way, this in the next um, few weeks, months or so, 
We're going to be starting back up our Victory Bible Institute, and we've got some fantastic classes that we're going to be offering up, and I want to encourage you to sign up for those, get in those classes, learn more of the Word of God, have understanding of the Word of God, right? But the last one, number four, not only was there understanding, but number four, there was this repentance. And I'm going to stop here. I'm not even going to give you the application. I'm going to come back next week and preach the application. But this repentance... So they reclaimed their joy. They reclaimed their reverence in hearing the Word of God. The repentance, if you will, the understanding, and now the repentance of the Word of God. Verse 8, in chapter 8 and verse 9, talks about them falling on their face before God. And they were repenting. They were grieving. They were mourning. Why were they crying? Why were they, why were they mourning? The infrastructure is rebuilt. The city is rebuilt. Listen, it's more than just brick and mortar. It's more than just the city. They knew what their spiritual state was. So they fell on their face before God. And in doing so, they repented. Now, let me do this. And, and band come. I, I'm done. The rest of this sermon I'm going to finish next week, okay? I actually was going to start a brand new sermon series next week, but I'm not. I'm going to finish this one next week. I'm going to give you the application to Nehemiah chapter 8 next week. But today I want to just park right here and stop. Do you have joy in your life? Or maybe a better question is, have you lost the joy? Maybe not all the joy. Have you lost a portion of it? Have you lost some of it? Have you lost any of it? If you can think of any time in your life where, spiritually speaking, you were closer to the Lord than you are today, then, friends, you're sitting here in a backsliding condition. If you can think of any time in your life where you had more joy in your life than what you have now, then what needs to take place is, is repentance. Now, I'm not going to ask you to come forward and kneel around the front, but right where you're sitting, you can do business with the Lord. I wonder, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, church, I want you to have joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. To have strength to face whatever it is you've got to face in life, you need joy. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And to have this joy, we must get back to where we submit to the Word of God. We must have reverence to the Word of God. We must have understanding to the Word of God. And then the old-fashioned biblical word of repentance must come into our lives. And we must pray and ask God to forgive us. And guys, I'm all about having fun. I enjoy the laughter. I enjoy having fun. But life is so much more than just laughter and having fun and having parties and, and having positive experiences. Life is about living for God and living out His will in your life and having the joy of the Lord in your heart and allowing Him to use you through whatever set of trials that you're in right now so that at the end of the trial you can turn around and you can tell your friends and neighbors and workers and co-workers, say, hey, let me tell you what God has done for me. Let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. Let me tell you what Jesus saw me through. Let me tell you what that phrase when Jesus said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Let me explain to you what that means. Let me tell you how that was lived out in my life.
Oh yeah, and that other scripture where Jesus says, I, I will provide all of your needs according to my riches and glory. Let me explain to you how Jesus did that in my life. That's giving him glory at the end of the day. The church, that only takes place whenever we have a reverence for the word of God. It only takes place when we have an understanding for the Word of God. And it's only going to take place when we have repentance because of the conviction of the Word of God. So let me pray with you right now. Father, as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, and God, revival starts with reverence and submission to the authority of the Word of God. Reverence and submission and understanding to the Word of God. Reverence and submission and understanding and repentance to the Word of God. Revival is taking place in Nehemiah chapter 8. And oh, how in our day and age here in the 21st century, we need revival. And the only way we can have revival is when we quit depending on everything else that you've provided for us, God. We start living a life in total dependence upon you. God, your word teaches us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is total dependence upon you, O Lord. Today, God, we confess our sins to you. We acknowledge that we've been depending on so many other things than you, O God. Today we, re, we repent, we ask, plead, beg, as the people of Israel did, falling on their face before God in repentance because the Word of God was convicting them. God, may that happen to us today. May we repent of our sins, all of us, myself included. Associate pastors as well, deacons and leaders in the church, teachers in the church, members, all of us. May we all get to the place where we submit to the authority of the Word of God and repent of us not being dependent on you, O oh God. Then revival can start to take place. Then joy can start to start moving in our hearts and in our lives. But it only will come when we submit to the authority of the Word of God. Father, today, we pray you forgive us. Father, today, we ask for forgiveness. We submit to your word. We desire understanding of your word. We want to get deeper into the word of God. Father, restore joy into our lives. Restore joy into our church. Restore joy into our families. Restore joy into our communities. Restore joy into our culture. Because the joy of the Lord is our strength. Father, hear and answer every prayer that's being prayed to you right now. And at the end of the day, God, we just want to say how great of a God you are and how we love you so much. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the Nehemiah journal. Thank you for this layman, layperson that just went and did what you asked them to do. Thank you for the people leading the way for us as an example of what revival looks like. 
Father, we ask your blessings on each one. In Jesus' name we pray. Well, thank you for joining us for this message from the Word of God. We know that the truth you have just heard will change your life if you believe it and intentionally apply it. If you need someone to pray with or maybe you just want someone to talk to, please call us at 618-622-9360. That's 618-622-9360. Or you can email us at victory at victorychurchonline.net. If you're interested in obtaining more teaching materials, or if you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, please contact us. You can email or call, or send a request to 715 Lake Point Center, Suite 109, O'Fallon, Illinois, 62269. Come and check us out on the web at www.victorychurchonline.net. And again, we thank you and are glad you could join us.